Today, we are dropping some counters, circling the Nashville squares, and hey, is this a new theme song? It's game shows, I suppose. Everybody and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about: game shows. I suppose I'm your host Jordan Haas. Did you guys like that theme song? That came courtesy of Intellectual Dark Wave. He is on Twitter at Intellectual Eight. That's Intellectual D A and the number eight. Uh, just just a lot of fun. Thank you so much for that great theme song. We'll be playing that every week from here on out. And I also want to get some more uh, personal news out of the way. Uh, as you may have heard, uh, Game Shows, I suppose, is now part of the BuzzCast Network. Now, we did do a bit about me turning down a deal and me getting frustrated because this is irony. This is all a bit. This is all jokes. This is all just like a long-form improv. It's None of this is just real. And I, I will admit, I was sad. I was disappointed. I thought, no, this is just a bit. This is all jokes and gags. But uh, it's actually real now. I, I This is... I was talking it over with the BuzzCast Network team, and yes, there is this perception of, of you know, ironic, not really earnest, but uh, when we broke it down, it actually makes sense for me to join this network. One, because I kind of did suggest this, but two, because the talent of the people who make these podcasts, and I'm not just talking like uncle to uncle, because both of the uncles showed up here. And we're not talking Struggle Session or Jack AMFM, but things like Rounding Down with Chid or the Bobby Hoare Picture Show. Bobby was here yesterday. Well, I mean, like, last week, but we'll say yesterday. And just to see, like, all of these creative people uh, welcome me into this network of, of podcasting, I feel kind of at home. I kind of feel like, oh, wait, this isn't actually a bit. These people actually do want to be my friend and want me to succeed. So I am I kind of feel like I, I kind of messed up a bit there by thinking this was all just some sort of ironic bro prank. Because, uh, hey, uh, there is a lot of promotion, uh, RSS things. They really did ask, like, do you need anything? Do you want guests? Do you want us to get some, some the, the word out about your podcast? Do you want us to, to try and get merch? And we'll get that when the when time comes. I just Right now I just want to just settle down. Uh, welcome me in my new home here. Uh, just, just, uh, just, just relax a bit. Uh, no pressure at all, as it turns out, for the Buzzcast Network, uh, home of the Dune Boys uh, <laughs> and others, because uh, there's gonna be a long list of shows. I that's why I can't list them all right now. Uh, so I had a lot of fun 
I hope the people at the Buzzcast Network uh, enjoy this podcast. Nothing's going to change at all to the the format itself. That's no bits, no uh, jokes, no ad reads or anything else unless, you know, I want to do it. So as far as I know, I'm just doing the same podcast. It's just now there's a marketing team behind me, which I thought is pretty cool. Uh, so this is fun. Uh, thank you all so much. If you are a new listener, uh, to this podcast, uh, essentially it's a game show podcast. There'll be news in the beginning, a fun interview with a guest, and then we end with like a review or something that's been on my mind in the world of game shows. Uh, that that's about it. Uh, it's, that it's, it's very formatted as it turns out. Uh, but I hope you guys stick through it because this is I, pretty much as far as I'm concerned, the only podcast about game shows, even though I found out there are multiple. But can you say any other game show podcasts uh, that also are part of the Buzzcast Network? No. No, you can't. That's part of my contract. <laughs> uh but also, thank you so much for for everyone for for welcoming, me, saying hello, give me a second chance. If they thought, oh, you suck, uh, thank you. I appreciate the 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 big hugs, the hearts, the gifs of Kirby and Nightwing. I I like it a lot. It really did make me feel like I belong in as part of the Buzzcast family. You don't get this kind of reception at Airwolf. You don't get this at Forever Dog Productions. Only at the Buzzcast. Buzz, buzz, everybody. Buzz, buzz. Oh, speaking of buzz, I guess we should check out a look at the what's buzzing on the world of the internet with the segment we like to call The News. First off, congratulations to Harry Friedman. Uh, he is the executive producer and basically showrunner for Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Uh, he got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on November 1st last week. Uh, I'm guessing it's because he's retiring in May of 2020, and as a kind gesture by most likely Sony Pictures, and of course everyone around in the world of game shows, because uh, he has a Guinness World Record for most game show episodes produced, they granted him a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So congratulations to Harry Friedman. I uh, hope you celebrate. You're a big name in the world of game shows, and this is your, your time to celebrate in the sun uh, may you have a happy, healthy retirement. Uh, next, let's go into some hosting news. I got casting. So last week we talked about Lego Masters being on Fox, one of my favorite uh, creative-based game shows. And uh, they deci- they finally announced who's hosting it. Now, this is a show about Lego. So who better to host it than the star of the Lego movie himself? Not, 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 not Chris Pratt. No, no, not Elizabeth Banks either. Uh, she has pressure luck. You know, it's Will Arnett. Will Arnett's going to be hosting Lego Masters. That's right. Lego Batman himself is going to be the guy to be like, oh, this is a nice chair. Uh, I guess that's, uh, I should sit on the chair, uh, which is fun because, you know, after watching BoJack Horseman and seeing the sad horse, maybe I can be cheered up by seeing like teenagers try and make an actual robot out of Legos. That sounds like fun. Uh, next, uh, do you guys heard of this James Corden guy? He's a real, uh, wacky guy. He's a real funny man on the Late Late Show with James Corden. That James Corden guy can't get enough of his carpool karaoke. Anyway, CBS has decided because he is on file as one of their, their, uh, talents, 
they're going to remake the uh, Sky Panel Game Show, A League of Their Own, with James Corden. So if you've never seen League of Their Own, it's basically just panel game show based around sport. So what if we do a sports panel game show with James Corden and I'm guessing funny friends or athletes? Uh, it, it's reporting they're remaking League of Their Own uh, for maybe, I don't know how many episodes, I'm going to say 12. Uh, so, so best of luck on James Corden on remaking a panel game show he's already a part of. Uh, no word on who's going to be the funny uh, captains of the teams, what sort of silly sports antics they're going to get away with. I'm going to guess it's going to be a lot more American football because it's CBS. But but who's to tell? I, I, I don't. Uh, next, in the world of adaptation game shows, you know, every single time I see we're turning a, a board game into a game show or a video game into a game show, I kind of freeze up because I don't think it's real. Like, almost half a decade ago, I heard about Monopoly being created with Donald Trump, and it still hasn't existed yet. Same with Pac-Man. I haven't seen the Pac-Man game show yet. I have seen a Candy Crush one, and, oh boy, I I fear the day I have to cover that on the podcast. But it was announced on Halloween that Minesweeper is being mined as a competition series by OBB uh, Pictures. Microsoft's classic game Minesweeper is being reimagined as a TV competition series. The project's in the works by a deal of OBB Productions. Uh, the, uh, the take was original and features strategy, but adding teamwork and athleticism on a grand scale. Uh, OBB is fast-tracking the project and has begun talks for a host. Well, I hope they get one of those A-list movie actors, I guess. Created in 1990. Don't you feel old yet? Minesweeper was created in 1990. The objective of the single-player game is to clear a rectangular board containing hidden mines without denning them. The series will raise stakes as contestants compete against each other in the clock to clear interactive mine boards. Uh, okay. OBB President CEO Michael Ratner will executive produce with Ratner and Fer Goldberg. Producers include Paul Jansen, Derek Doodley, and Will Frost from Microsoft. <clears throat> Minesweeper is an immersive game and has always been a property that we felt was perfect for a competition series. Said Michael Ratner, Microsoft shares our vision on how to bring the game to life and utilize its iconic status to create a modernized audience while keeping the integrity and goals of the game intact. As we are always keeping an eye on building out formats for our audience at OBB, Minesweeper is an ideal property to cultivate into a new series, and Microsoft is the perfect partner. Said Jansen, Sue manager of Microsoft Casual Games, Microsoft Minesweeper is one of the earliest computer games and has built a great fan base over the past few decades. With their expertise in creating compelling viewing experiences for television and digital audiences, we're incredibly excited for OBB to bring Minesweeper to both new and exciting fans in a completely new way. OBB's forays and athletic endeavors include Kevin Hart's sports interview series, Cold as Balls, and recently announced health and wellness podcast with NBA star Blake Griffin. And you may not know this, but they are also behind historical roast with Jeff Ross on Netflix. 
and Music, a documentary series co-produced with Scooter Braun for Quibi. Quibi! I fucking hate Quibi. Ratner and OBB Productions Division of OBB Mia are represented by UTA, Three Arts Entertainment, and Hanson Jacobson. I can't wait to see which streaming service picks this show up. Because remember, the faster you flag, the more cash you can snag. But be careful on this 10 by 10 grid of 100 squares. One blast and you lose the cash for $1 million. Welcome to Minesweeper. Million Dollar Minesweeper, coming soon. <sighs> Fuck. Anyway, Man vs. Bear competition reality series with humans and grizzlies coming to Discovery Forum kinetic content. In a throwback to Man vs. Beast, Discovery Channel is doing Man vs. Bear, a competition series pitting humans against grizzly bears. No, really, this is not April Fool's Day. This is an actual show. The reality show from Connect Content, who created things like Married at First Sight, a Red Arrow Studios company, has been filmed, and it's going to premiere December 4th. So we're one month away from the big premiere, folks. Yay! If you now know what the show is about, it's going to be about three grizzly bears, Bart, Honey Bump, and Tank. All of these are free-range captive bears. Some of them have entertainment experience they take on human competitors at a utah sanctuary in challenges designed around the exercise routines the animals regularly follow including a game of tug of war or rolling giant logs each episode includes five distinct challenges inspired by what bears normally do in the wild shit in the woods in the final round, the top two competitors come face-to-face -face with Bart, who stands 8 feet 6 inches tall and weighs 1,400 pounds. The human competitor who earns the most points of the day is named champion. The season concludes with the top three competitors with the most points returning one more time for the superhuman showdown against the Bears. Anticipating potential backlash from animal rights activists, Discovery has posted detailed accounts on how the bears were treated during filming. Man vs. Bear features blow-by-bail commentary by CBS sports radio personality Brandon Tierney and wildlife expert Casey Anderson, the founder of the Montana Grizzly Encounter, and has rescued seven bears from inhumane captivity situations. But doing this game show is not inhumane? What the fuck? <laughs> Bart and Honeybump are orphaned as cubs and discovered by an Alaskan state trooper. They were adopted by caretakers Doug and Lynn Seuss. Along with Tank, the Seusses have raised and cared for all three bears for two decades on a sprawling section of protected land. Executive producing Man vs. Bear is Chris Colleen, Eric Deliter, Vincent Cariardi, Steve Kaufman, Paul Lima, and Carrie Wolf for kinetic content. Uh, so, uh, no, they're not going to be fighting the bears. They're not going to get mauled by a bear it's for, for safety reasons. Obviously it's going to be more like, can you push the bear, the, the box faster than the bear? And that's the game. Yep. But, but man, if you say versus bear and you show these grizzly bears, boy, does that spark scare? Does that scream excitement? You're against the bear. Woo! 
when I heard the title was called Man vs. Bear, I was thinking like Bear Grylls. Like if you were going to pitch me a show called Man vs. Bear, I wouldn't be thinking an actual fucking grizzly bear. I'd be thinking Bear Grylls. Like this is an environmental show. Can you beat Bear Grylls in a 48-hour race across a desert island? Something like that would have, I thought would be what I'd be thinking if I was thinking of a show called Man vs. Bear. But you know what? You know what? We bear bears, I guess, uh, with, with the three. And I, I think about all of the 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 uh, the content, the whole social media content you can create. You can have a whole BuzzFeed quiz. Which of the bears from Man vs. Bear are you? Are you Bart? Are you Honey Bump? Or are you Tank? Personally, I think I'm more of a Honey Bump. But I have been called a Tank before. Anyway, back to more uh, amazing shows. Did you guys... You may not know this. So the earliest Food Network game show was not Iron Chef. There were a couple before that. Ready, uh, Set, Cook, for instance, which was based off a 90s game show. And also the one I personally remember the most was called Food Network Challenge. Now on Food Network Challenge, it was basically like they would go to like the chili eating cook-off in Texas or they would be going to... Uh, uh, like a bake-off and they would record what goes on in the bake-off or what would go on in the chili cook-off and then they would show who wins it and that was kind of just the early forms of Food Network Challenge over time they would do their own Food Network Challenges in these areas so they decided we're going to bring it back Food Network's ordering Food Network Challenge reboot host by Ian Zuring that's right uh, the channel has begun production on six-episode reboot of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 alum Ian Zerling set to host. You know, Beverly Hills 90210. BH90210. It premieres December 23rd. It pits the country's top cake makers, bakers, and sugar artists against each other in two rounds of themed battles to create mind-blowing edible works of art for a special event and a $10,000 grand prize. Oh, so we're doing the cake... The later cake series. Okay. I guess we're doing cake rounds. Since the premiere celebrates the classic holiday film, A Christmas Story, and upcoming episode themes include Back to the Future, Pokemon, Monopoly, and The Wizard of Oz. The Funko Pop economy, folks. They're all IPs. Uh, Food Network Challenge ran for six years on Food Network from 2005 to 2011. Oh, so this is not the one I'm thinking of. Well, I gotta retract my statement of this is the earliest game show because 2015, 2011, that sounds like this is that cake show. This is that the cake version of Food Network. Okay. Uh, I mean, interesting. They're doing cake wars, but with but bringing it back as Food Network Challenge. Neat. Uh, okay. Uh, can't wait to be hosting a return of Food Network Challenge. Zeering said, watching these contestants create edible works for us is so excited and can't wait for the viewers to see these mind-blowing creations. Someone's gonna be making a Pikachu cake or a DeLorean, or, I don't know, the the, the the Emerald City, maybe. A Monopoly top hat with, a, like, a, a real-life board game. That's going to be the puzzle. Yay! Exciting stuff. All right, well, uh, we got some more news. So we talked about HBO Max stuff recently, uh, and this kind of got brought up on Fun Time Calls, my other podcast that I do every week. Uh, there are two other game shows uh, coming soon to HBO Max. 
this is this is the two that I have to read. <clears throat> Productions currently underway on Karma, an hour-long adventure competition series hosted by extreme lifestyle enthusiast Car. I'm guessing it's Car. It could be Karma. Uh, it takes 16 contestants ranging from 12 to 15 completely off the grid to solve puzzles and overcome physical challenges with the laws of karma setting the rules. You know what goes around comes around. The series will test the mental and physical stamina of its young contestants as they unravel how their social actions impact their success in the game. Focus, giving, humility, growth, connection, change, and patience are the path to becoming the karma champion. But more importantly, the players learn one of life's most profound lessons. What you give out, you give back. This sounds like endurance. Karma is being executive produced by J.D. Roth, Adam Greener, and Sarah. <laughs> oh, of course, good story entertainment, J.D. Roth. This is, kind of, this is fucking a revival <laughs> of endurance. Because if I hear things like... <clears throat> Focus, giving, humility, growth, connection, change, and patience. I see, I see focus token, giving token, humility token, growth token, connection token, change token, and patience token. That's seven. So if there's a team of 16 contestants, that's going to tell me it's going to be broken up into groups of eight. And it's pairs, right? That's what's going to happen, right? Uh, anyway, that sounds interesting, I guess. Uh, next. Uh, Craftopia is described as an epic kids crafting competition show hosted and executive produced by Ramiki, who was deemed the millennial Martha Stewart by Forbes. What? Nine to 15 year old contestants put their imaginations to the test and make their crafting dreams come true in a magical studio. After racing to fill up their carts with inspiring materials from the studio, quote-unquote, store. Oh, so we're doing some market sweep, but with crafting. Okay. Uh, crafters meet larger-than-life challenges, making the most amazing creations the world's ever seen per HBO Max production will begin later this year. Uh, all right, then. I, 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 sure. Oh, Lauren Remake is Lord DIY. Okay. If you just said Lord DIY, I would have been like, oh, Okay. Because I, I, I noted she's a big popular YouTuber. Okay, now I'm actually sold on this. Because if you're giving me uh, uh, the, the the Michelle Carr for Karma and, and Lord DIY, okay, now this makes sense. Okay, you're giving me YouTubers doing a streaming show. Okay. Um, also, Lord DIY would be a perfect host because she's personable on YouTube. She has crafts, no doubt, because she's been doing this for a decade now. Kids have watched her videos and tried to replicate the stuff that she's tried to create. So for her to be hosting a show where kids do crafting is a perfect idea. That Actually, I kind of like it more than this weird version of Endurance that I just read about as well. We're, both, we're giving kids an opportunity to show us their absolute best as they strive for excellence in both challenging and creative situations, said Jennifer O'Connell, Executive Vice President of Original Content at HBO Max. With Michelle and Lauren at the helms, we are aiming to surprise and delight our young viewers. These shows are incredible additions to our growing list of HBO Max Kids Originals. I... Is this like Quibi where this is not going to be real and none of this is ever going to air? Uh, after 30 years of making kids television... Oh, wait, this is J.D. Roth. I gotta try to move my J.D. Roth impression. <clears throat> after over 30 years of making kids television... This partnership with HBO Max has given me the ability to make a show about something 
important. Karma, said Roth. Teaching kids that the energy you put in is the energy you can expect to get back is been transformative. This shows a rare opportunity to entertain while teaching, and I'm loving every minute of it. <clears throat> All right. That, that makes sense. Uh, Craftopia is executed by Rhett Backner and Breen Mager of B17 Entertainment. <clears throat> Kids are so incredibly inventive. They look at an empty cardboard box in a paper towel roll, and they see a pirate ship with a telescope, said Bachner and Mager. So if Craftopia, we are thrilled to work with HBO Max to see what happens when we give ingenious kids a store full of every material imaginable. Uh, all right. Neat. F fancy. Fine. Finally, in the world of game shows that should exist or not exist because they're based off youtubers true tv offers hot ones the game show based on web talk series in deal of complex networks true tv has given a 20 episode series order to hot ones colon the game show based on complex networks hugely popular web talk series with sean evans as the host additionally the network has licensed episodes of the original digital series created and produced by complex networks first we feast the series featuring a-list celebrities became a phenomenon with more than a billion views over its 10 seasons Hot Ones, colon, The Game Show, produced by D.I.G.A. Studios, goes into production later this fall with a premiere date planned for early next year. Hot Ones, colon, The Game Show, will air on True TV as part of a Hot Ones Hour each week, with one episode of The Game Show, followed by one episode of the original First We Feast digital talk show, also hosted by Evans. In each half hour of Hot Ones, colon, The Game Show, two teams of two face three rounds, banking as much cash as they can to compete for the grand prize. Contestants will be quizzed on pop culture trivia while chowing down on wings slattered in increasingly spicy sauces as their mental and visual skills are tested as they become completely disoriented. The team with the most cash at the end of all three rounds moves on to the finale, The Ring of Fire. Five flaming rings stand between the teammates and the cash, and they must work together to solve a password game. Password game. With each successful clue extinguishing another ring of flames as they get closer and closer to the money. And the anecdote for their burning mouths. If the teammates fight through the pain and guess five correct passwords in 90 seconds, they'll win $25,000 in cash and claim their places as Hot Ones Legends. Okay, at least that kind of felt like I'm reading a game show PR. I'm kind of int intrigued by this. <clears throat> Fans around the world have tried creating their own versions of the Hot Ones Challenge for years, but there's nothing better than the real thing, said Brett Rise, general manager for TBS, TNT, and True TV. We're going up to stakes and take this show to a whole new level of heat. Oh, this is the Sean Evans quote. Our Hot Ones interview show is all about deconstructing celebrities and making them seem like normal people said Sean Evans, host of Hot Ones and Hot Ones The Game Show, with Hot Ones, colon, The Game Show. We are excited to flip the script and give everyday people the chance to achieve hot sauce glory. With Hot Ones, we are able to redefine the celebrity interview with the addition of violently hot chicken wings, said Chris Schlongberger, general manager of First We Feast. Now we're excited to team up with the pros at True TV and DIGA to create a great format, game show format, supercharged with the spice and offbeat sensibility of the original series. 
Hot Ones the Game Show is produced by DIJ Studios. Scott St. John's the showrunner? The deal or no deal guy? <laughs> He's the showrunner? Uh, and he's executive producer with DIGA's Tony DeSanto, Tommy Coriel, Nick Rigg, and Sean Evans, executive producing as well. Michael Bloom also serves as executive producer for Bongo Pictures, while Chris Schlongberger and Justin Killian serve as executive producers for Complex Networks. Okay. I like Hot Ones. I think it's funny because the format of here's celebrities in mild pain and discomfort eating spicy wings while answering personal questions. I think that's funny. I like this idea of let's do a game show based around Hot Ones, but I'm guessing because this is true TV, this is going to come across more like distraction. Now, if you've never seen distraction before, it was this game show where contestants had to answer easy questions while undergoing pain, like getting electrocuted or drinking hot sauce shots. So for me, this sounds like what they're going to do is, here, eat the small wing. Here's an easy question. And then we'll keep going through the Hot Ones gauntlet of, of spicy wings until the final five, which I'm guessing is the Ring of Fire, concluding with the last dab. If you can complete the last dab and you get the last password, you get $25,000. Hooray! But, I, I mean, like, all this is gonna just this is all i'm picturing in my head is it's just like here's a team of like of of siren contestants eating because this is scott st john mind you so it's gonna be the spice it's the woo-woo contestants and then they're gonna eat spicy wings they're gonna be told beforehand they're not really that spicy we will give you milk and water and all that and you're just gonna hear them say fuck 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 this is fucking hot ow 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 what the fuck ow shit as they try to play a password game and it's and when they mean passwords i guess one word clues or are they going to try and go for like pyramid style where it's just eat a wing and then while they're eating the ring uh you you got it comes from a cow you got uh, oh jesus cry ha <laughs> so, oh milk milk bonk as there's dramatic tension and i'm guessing literal like fire playing in the background I don't know. I don't know if I'm on board with this, but eh, I've seen weirder shows before. I'll definitely give it a watch. Sean Evans is a great host. This sounds right up his alley. Let's give it a shot. So today's episode is going to be dealing with tipping point. Normally when I do the introductions, I kind of come up with a nice factoid about the creation of the show uh, history because this is a coin pusher game show. Talk about the history of coin pushers. Uh, maybe explain the show got created July 2nd, 2012. Things like that would have been brought up, but instead I just want to talk about British game shows. A lot of time when I do the, the game shows, I suppose, I get told like, well, you know, you're doing an American game show, then you're doing a lot of foreign formats. I've never heard of these shows before, and I get confused. Why do you cover British game shows so much? Is this one of those Anglophiles I've been hearing about? And no, not really. Uh, the reason we cover British game shows here on Game Shows, I suppose, is because game shows are an international 
a genre of television. Yes, well, we're in America. Feud, wheel, let's make a deal. Uh, Jeopardy, for instance. They're all here. They're all successful shows. The Price is Right will never go away. But when we look at other countries and what shows that are successful there, it's fascinating. It's a I feel like it's more of a cultural phenomenon to talk about these different formats. And eventually we'll cover shows from Germany or Japan or South America. And we will try and figure out what is the, like the successful shows there and why do they work out so well with the United Kingdom. The reason we review and cover them is because there's so many new formats to come from the UK over the years that I always feel like it's necessary to talk about them. Uh, There are people out there who are obsessed with the UK game show and will not shut the fuck up about them because every one of them is the best uh, or or it should be the biggest hit. Things like The Chase. Now, I, I get The Chase was a successful show. They brought it here to America. But there are other game shows out there. Pointless, for instance, is a great game show. But will it work in America? Not really, because it requires picking the least obvious answer. Something like Tenable, which is about figuring out a top 10 list, also won't really work because people are just going to get confused with Family Feud. Also, Only Connect, which we've talked about here. It's a very complex game show that makes you feel stupid. Countdown involves spelling and and math, and people don't know how to do that here in America. So there are some formats that work in one country that do not work here. And it's fascinating to take a look at them and see why they work there, but won't ever work here. Sometimes American game shows go over to the United Kingdom, and then you get like Danny Dwyer's The Wall, which is kind of weird, but it's the familiar format. It just doesn't feel right, doesn't, you know, gel well. That when it comes to today's episode, Tipping Point, aside from maybe the Crystal Maze, this is the most American game show I can think of that's been in the United Kingdom that has not really come out here. With something like uh, Crystal Maze, Nickelodeon's picking it up. They flew out people. They're playing it there. I think it might do well. I do not know. But it's the fact that it's genre-breaking. It's not necessarily a game show. It's a stunt show. It's a it's a variety show. It's like a beat-the-clock challenge show. That's why it works. It's the theming and the competitions. With this show, Tipping Point, it works because it's a quiz show, but it's also a game with luck and skill involved, which I think kind of makes it stand out a bit more than a lot of your game shows. When Tipping Point like became a success, we saw a lot more skill-based game shows in the UK. Uh, things like, uh, for instance, there was a show called The Edge on in BBC, where the whole object was to answer questions so then you can roll a ball down a bowling alley. Do you play like a game of chicken where you have to roll it closest to the edge without falling off? That was a game show. Not only mentioned, there's also one called Freeze Out, where it's basically you have to move like a hockey puck into a center square while you can also knock someone else's off. Wow, skill. But with the case of Tipping Point, there really isn't any way to do a physical activity involved, so much as so pushing a button and watching a coin drop from a coin pusher machine. And then whatever happens to that is what happens to your game. It is a successful show because... Basically, the score can change at the flip of a coin, as it were, 
and the questions involved are very, very all over the place because they can go from very easy to very difficult in a matter of moments, uh, which is why I'm very pleased to get Brian Henniger on here to talk about Tipping Point. So without further ado, let's open up Drop Zone 4 and let's turn the tables. With me on the line is one of my very good game show friends, Brian. <laughs> How's it going? I am pleased as punch to be here. Thank you for letting me come by. Uh, this is going to be interesting today. It is because, uh, <clears throat> you know, the world of game show fandom, there's a lot of game shows. And we could just go through the list of like 80s throwbacks. We can talk about modern formats, reality competition formats. Uh, or we could talk about foreign formats. And uh, when when I first announced doing this podcast, Brian really jumped in, locked locked it in, really wanted to talk about this episode, didn't want to talk about this one show. And that's why uh, this episode is all about NWA power. Yes, I can't wait to talk about this. Wait, wait a minute. What? Jim, that's Jim not a Cornette game show. is back on the podium. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not a game show. <laughs> uh, like, no. Wait a minute. You lied to me. <laughs> I ribbon ya. <laughs> no, we. <laughs> that's the, look. The last couple of weeks have been like game shows, and then like pro wrestling references. So let's just keep the trend going. Uh, but no, it's actually tipping point. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Now, my friends uh, know this about me, but I'll say this about you, so you'll know it. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am a big, big fan of British television and British game shows especially and i think you and i are the only people in this world that are fans of this program i mean like when when people go like we're not going to name names here but when people say like british game shows like the first that comes out is countdown because it's longevity it's the questions it's the letters and numbers second mastermind because it's the speediness <clears throat> it's the chair Third is maybe University Challenge because it's the college bowl game that's been all over the place. Uh huh. And then we go into what I call the niches. So the Crystal Maze would be one that I, of course, am tailored to because I like the pick and mix. I like that you can do physical, you can do mental, you can do all sorts of things. But and when you had Richard O'Brien hosting it, you had a guy who would play the accordion, sorry, play the harmonica while you were trying to solve a puzzle, which made it a lot more fun. And there are people who are like, no, it's Tenable. Tenable's the best game show. Or no, it's The Chase. It's all about The Chase. And those and those shows will eventually have their time in the sun on this podcast. Don't get me wrong. Those are all iconic game shows for their own accord. But I think if we're going to go into a what is a modern game show that is British, but also has a great format appeal, and is if you can just say what's a classic cliche game show... Tipping Point hits all the notes. Yes, it does. Um, Tipping Point is one of those shows that if you've never seen it before, um, I have. Um, I remember I saw it because I'm not going to say how I do it, but there's a way that I watch a lot of British TV. V and this came up Nord VPN on the for your go to sources. Yes, NordVPN. Or, uh, or Beebs, in... or any sort of... I don't think uh, <laughs> Tipping Point's going to be in the BritBox yet, but I know... Uh, I think Pointless is. Yeah, Pointless is in BritBox, and they have a bunch of panel shows. But one of the things that I began watching is I watched this show a couple years ago, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And 
once I started watching it, I realized this is actually one of the best game shows I have ever seen. And I was amazed that I was probably the only person that actually really enjoyed this show. Then I jumped in and went, I like this show too. And I'm like, a kindred spirit. Kindred spirit. That's also kind of nearly how we met in the game show world. It was that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, tipping point. Okay. Uh, it ha- I think it has most iconic podiums. I know we're going into this show right now, but when you think a game show, the stereotype of a game show is the game show podium with the little buzzer and then the host with the little suit and the question cards. And this show has podiums and buzzers and question cards, but it has it in a modern niche that actually makes it look so cool. Like the, yes. the buzzers not only serve to buzz in to answer the questions, they also serve to basically be the locking mechanic to drop the discs. This is all based on coin pushers, folks. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> the history of the show is very fascinating, too. Uh, it dates back to the year 2003 by one Hugh Rycroft. Now, Hugh was a writer for all sorts of game shows. One famous one you might have remembered is something called Dog Eat Dog. Oh, yes. Now, he was a writer for that, so lucky him. He gets to write the dog pound questions. (laughs) And eventually, he would go on to do other formats. Uh, One of my favorites, and we'll go through all the iconic ones. Okay, so he did a uh, Never Mind the Full Stops, which was a panel show. He yes. did Schools Out, which was kind of like at the same time as Fifth Grader, with celebrities answering grade school questions. He created the format for Decimate, which was this, here's your 10,000-pound prize, and then they cut ninety per- they cut 10% off if you're wrong on a question. The literal definition yeah. of Decimate. Uh, right. And then later, which is this most modern format after Tipping Point, is Impossible, which some argue mm-hmm. is one of the best, most clever quiz shows out there besides Only Connect. Right, which... You're trying to find uh, an answer to a question. Basically, it kind of puts you in the mind, if you've never seen it before, it kind of puts you in the mind of pointless, where you have to pick an answer off of a board where it's like they give you a whole list of answers and you got to pick the one that is impossible. Like it could not possibly be an answer to a, to a, uh, to a question. So it's kind of like Trivia Trap, if you remember that format. Yes. Uh, here's a fun quick example. Uh, John Adams... Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, who was the first vice president of the United States? Now the answer is John Adams. Right. But if you picked Ben Franklin on the list, that is an impossible answer because he was never a president. Because they asked in the phrase, "What is the first president that became a vice president?" or something like that. So then, whoever picked the C answer would be out of the game completely. While anyone else would still be in the running to play for the game. Right. Uh, but Hugh had this idea in 2003 when he was at an amusement arcade in Norfolk. Uh, of course, you can guess what kind of arcade machine he saw. The classic yep. coin pusher. Yes. Uh, in England, it's also called a uh, Penny Fool's machine. The Penny Fool's machine. Uh, in, it's some certain worlds of gambling. They put it in the same ca- places as bean counters or pachinko machines. Because right. the idea is you- it's somewhat of a gamble. You put in a penny... And then any money that comes out is yours to collect. Right. Uh, the The way it works is, if you've never seen it before, it's it's got like this th- this huge table on it, like a steel table, and it's covered in quarters. And sometimes they'll put little prizes on there, like folded up twenty dollar bills or folded up hundred dollar bills or however many. And you have on top of it 
you've got this one arm that keeps sweeping out and then back in, out and back in. So the idea is you have to drop a coin that will land on the table so it'll get pushed um, by the arm and eventually it's going to have enough of a uh, overhang or you'll push off a huge list of sorry, a, a, a huge shelf of coins and that's how you win money on them. In some amusement parks here in America, they put quarters and it's the same yeah. effect. Yeah, quarters are tokens. And if you do tokens, you get tickets. And as we all know, what do tickets make? Prizes. Yes, enjoy your spider rings, Tootsie Roll Pops. Uh, if you collect 20,000, you might just collect a bicycle wheel. Not the whole bike, just the wheel. Exactly. I mean, I mean, look, I love going to the arcade when I go to Pigeon Forge. I go like maybe once a year. But you know in your heart you're not going to win those big prizes. It's one of those things where you just go, why couldn't I just go to Dave & Buster's instead? Exactly. Uh, but and they have coin pushers there too, but those are kind of weird because it's like Star Trek themed. And I saw one with WWE recently. Yeah, well, the one that I saw recently at the arcade is one themed around the Wizard of Oz. And you got to collect, you know, the, the and unlike the dollar bills, it's cards. It's the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, uh, and then yeah, the elusive and, rare um, Toto. Yeah, and if you get all of them, you get like 5,000 tickets. But you got to spend like 50 bucks to get them. So, of course, he's been pitching it since 2003. It never really got to see the light of day until 2012, uh, when it would air on on ITV1. It's basically like a mid-afternoon show. Essentially, the show kind of airs in its... uh, in this fun little like slot that I would say is like mod- in in terms of American time slots, kind of that wheel Jeopardy slot, which actually is fitting, right? It's because right, it's it's right near the end, but it's leading into the drama, the comedy, the entertainment show. It's like it's the lead into prime time. And now we get to go with the fun important part. What's the rules? How do you play Tipping Point? Okay, are you want me to tell you? You can go ahead right now because I don't. Okay. You, no, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> it's your turn. Go if you want to talk about right. the rules. Go right okay. ahead. It's well. You, well, you have these four contestants, and they're each in front of their podiums. And to the side is what they they call it the machine. Basically, it's a gigantic coin pusher, and they have two hundred coins that are about the size of a pizza pan inside the coin inside in, inside the machine. And you buzz in and answer a trivia question. If you get it right, you get to drop a coin into one of the four big sections of this machine. And if you push a coin off, you win 50 pounds for every coin you push off. And every person gets a chance to have at least three coins if, if they can get three correct answers. There's a question. And if you buzz with the correct answer, you can either play your counter. They don't call them tokens. They don't call them coins. They call them counters. I don't yes. know if it's kind of like a bonnet kind of thing. It's like that's the, their terminology. Uh and you can either play your own or, in a twisted strategy, force an opponent to play one of theirs and basically make them lose a coin. Yes, like if you know that they're not going to lose a like if if you know that a coin is not going to come off, then you can do that. And it make, it makes some great strategy because typically the first two questions, there's not going to be a payout. So there's the starting of how to create some sort of rivalry within players within the game. Uh, of the 200, too, we should also point out that there are uh, two gimmicks. Uh, one is a doubler, which are yellow, uh, which will double the value of the counters. So if you drop six counters, what would normally be counting as 300 pounds to you will now be 600 pounds, which could usually make or break a round. And another is basically like a sure thing prize. It's a mystery prize. It's green and has like the Riddler logo from Batman. 
Uh-huh. Uh, and if you land on it, you get a nice uh, star prize or uh, not really a star prize, spot prize where it's like, you know, like a weekend getaway or yes, uh, uh, from, from, or like a trip to go bungee jumping or a, or a wine tasting trip or something like that. The kind of stuff that would normally be the grand prize on <laughs> the crystal maze. <laughs> Let's not get right. Uh, but those are yours to take home no matter what. So in the event that <clears> say, you know, you're not really going to make enough to to go through the next round, uh, you can try and go for a uh, a prize to save yourself some, some something, win something. Yeah, uh, so you have, you know, so you can at least say that, hey, I won something on the show, and was so 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 that's kind of cool. So in round one, everyone gets three, and there's twelve questions. If you buzz in with the correct answer, you play your counter or for someone else to play. Once all three of your counters have been used, you are no longer allowed to buzz in. However, there is a twist. If you buzz in and get the answer wrong, you lose your own counter and it goes into a final question coin pot where you can get all of it. Which I think is ingenious. Because what that means is, imagine, say, you got you got screwed over. Your, your friends went, I want Brian to play his coin. I want Brian to play his coin. I want Brian to play his coin all three times. And he, he got nothing. <laughs> and then you're playing yours and you're at 200 or 400. And then someone else got their two questions wrong. Now we're playing one question for two counters. Brian can get it right. And Brian can immediately catch up and go through to the next round. He's not necessarily out of the game just yet. And that has made, that has been done almost like one in five episodes I have seen as they come from behind victory for whoever's in last place because of that cash, that coin purse, uh, penalty box points or whatever they call it, the... I think they call it the the penalty. Uh, I think I, I, I think it is called the penalty uh, the penalty box. Yeah, the penalty pot, and then it's just like, and sometimes, which I have seen once, was like there have been two players who just wiped out all of their counters. So it was like we're five counters, which theoretically, like at a base minimum, you can get nothing, but theoretically, they're seeing maybe fifty or a hundred, and just kind of chips away. Uh, that if you can get five counters, you can go from last place to way past first place if you're very lucky in this coin game Uh, right at the end of round one of the four whoever has the lowest score is eliminated they lose all the money they have won at that point because uk rules right (laughs) right uh and they have quote-unquote found their tipping point and are out of the game It, it it's the catchphrase it's the you are the weakest link it's the this was your downfall you're going down precisely and that's and so now, can we talk a bit about the host? Uh, yes, uh, Ben Shepard. Yeah. Now, Ben Shepard has had a pretty interesting career in uh, British game shows. He's done not just Tipping Point. Um, he also uh, the first one I saw him do was he did a revival of the Krypton Factor, which is the, one of the uh, most cult, I say it's one of the cult classics of it because this is kind of like a because a first of all Superman, but two also it's that mental and physical and i'm still saying it i think that should that should be revived <clears throat> get the american ninja warrior guys on board they did the mental samurai puzzles they can do this i i fully agree i absolutely agree um one of the things about him is that well it's funny you mentioned ninja warrior he also is one of the hosts of ninja warrior uk <laughs> uh, he is uh, yep yeah, alongside chris kamara unbelievable Oh, I, my, one of my favorite uh, football uh, voices out there. I think Chris he has Kamara. a Christmas album out this year. 
Uh, he does. And I love me some Chris Kamara. He just, he, he is so positive and I love him. He is absolutely great. He's a perfect fit but for that show. Cause that is such an is. optimistic personality to have on. Right. Um, but anyway, so Ben Shepard, but on tipping point, he's very dramatic. You can tell that, I mean, he's not one of those, you know, characters that's always playing a, sorry, he's, sorry, he's not one of those guys that is, um, you know, he's unable to, sorry, i trying to say this right way. He's not one of those guys that's always playing a character. He's not always on, he's not always up, but there's a genuineness about him. You can tell that he really he's loves not playing the game. game show host. No, he is a game show host. Yeah, but we're, we're in like stereotype like, oh, Brian, tough luck. Oh, wow. Sorry about that. You got to get three counters for 100. Yeah, exactly. He's not the stereotypical game show host. He he hosts it the right way. And that makes him such a great MC for this show. But you can tell that he really wants the players to do well. There is also that layer of sporting, which comes in this, I guess, because of his background, too. But it's that right. the level of sporting, too, when it's down to that one chip, <laughs> that one counter. He does. He tenses it up by saying, like, you will need to drop at least two to stay in the game and then go to the tiebreaker. If you get three, you stay in the game. Uh, open drop zone two, bonk. And then instead of, like, a go for it, it's just whenever you're ready. Yeah. And then that's yes. a tense moment, and it works. It works perfectly. And, and uh, commiseration, it's 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 genuine. It's a genuine, oh, man. Yeah, you could tell that he really feels for the players. And that's hard to pull off with a lot of game show hosts because you're absolutely right. There are too many people who who do the game show thing and try to play a role. They're they're trying to play the the character of a game show host. You know, they're early they're trying to be Clark a, Neal productions have him as yeah. that person. Exactly. Um, I can tell you this one uh, or another one I can give you an example of. Um, you know, if you remember Jonathan Prince when he did the Quiz Kids Challenge. Yes. Or um, a- another one I can remember, and this is kind of one that I think is interesting. And just because I get because I may never get to tell the story, so I will tell it to you right now. Um, have you ever uh, heard of a show called? Um, oh, gosh, uh, it was I forget the name of it, but it was a British game show hosted by uh, John Barrowman. Oh, uh, Pressure Pad. Pressure Pad, yeah. He, now, he's from Edinburgh, Scotland, John Berriman. But he he talks, he doesn't even have a British accent. He talks with an American accent, and he's like, okay, all right, good for you. And he's like playing a game show host. But he had my favorite moment, is that his 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 accent just came out in the most random places. Because he'd say, he'd say, all right, time for you to go up there. Hit the Pressure <laughs> think, Pad. You know, on the pressure pad. And then he just all of a sudden goes, all right. All right. No, no, he said, you're the you're nervous. Yes. I'm like, wait, what? Did Scrooge McDuck just show up? What happened? <laughs> he did show up. Uh, and yes, pressure. Oh, no, now I have to chop that on the list. Oh, boy. Yeah. But, 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 but right about Ben Shepard is that he, he, he's just a really good MC. And, and that is the mark of a good host is, is, is that he roots for the players. He wants them to do well. He wants them to succeed. And, you know, you're right. He's not fake. But uh, anyway, I've, I've talked too much, so I'll let you go back into it. It's No, it's the fact he is a sport. He usually, because his background is also, he's like in, he's a journalist too. He covers a lot of sport. Sport. Uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in England, yeah, yeah. It's weird. In England, they... In America, it's sports and math. In England, it's sport and maths. I'll never figure that out for the rest of my life. 
Because why don't we just call it sports and mathematics? Or do you want to just call it sport? Like, maybe it's singular. It's the one sport and the one math. I guess. I don't know. That's the way, I, that's the way I'm going to stick to it. We are All more right. stringent upon our, uh, on our ability to understand geometry uh, and uh, talk about our love of plural of sport. Not only do we love football, we also love basketball and baseball. And boxing and hockey and ferret legging. <laughs> uh, so in the we go to round two. Uh, now there's three contestants left. They are their totals are still the same. And now we go into what I call is like a filler round. I just like the only weak spot of the format, even though it's it's fine. It's essentially the cash builder from the chase. Each person's on the spot, and they get 30 seconds, starting with the person in the lowest amount of money, to get as many questions correct as possible. For everyone they get right is one counter, which they can bring into the machine. That's 30 seconds. So on average, it's maybe, if they're lucky, two or three. <laughs> like, it's not yeah. that much. And these are like, and it follows the logic of like weakest link trivia, as well as the questions you normally see on like the chase, where it's like, it really is just all around the board. Like you can be it, asking it, it, like it's general knowledge. It's general knowledge, but it's fun because you can feel like it's like all right, who what is the uh, cur- who is the current MP for the they don't know. Uh, the Rock is the nickname for what American actor? The, the Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, you can tell that. Yeah, it's like you can tell some of these people are just completely um, befuddled. <laughs> They are the, but some, it, but, it's not like a question stack, but it's it's usually like they ask two tough questions and then two easy ones, and it's, right, like, it's like oh, time like ran a, out, you got yeah, one counter. Trying, yeah, they're they're clearly trying to do a budget saver on some of those. Uh, and then they can drop their counter, and uh, if if they're in the lead, you know, they extend their lead out. If they're in second place, they extend their lead out. Whatever, and then they go into third person, and then they have to catch up. Otherwise. Just like in round one, the lowest score is eliminated. And we move on to final, into round three, the head-to-head round. In this head-to-head round, there's only six questions. Uh, three belong to each contestant, and the leader at the end of round two decides who starts. They get a question, and then they can decide if they want to answer that question or pass it to their opponent. It, so it's like a dare on double there. But instead of being right. worth double the counters, it's just worth the regular <laughs> counter. As soon as the if a person if the if you get right you get the counter if you get it wrong your opponent gets the counter vice versa if you pass it to your opponent and they get it wrong you get the counter you pass it to your opponent and they get it uh, right they get the counter these are the final six in the game this is very crucial because whoever gets the most money in this round gets to keep their money and go on to the final round right and the final round it is so perfect how they do this. It's the so first of all, the guy is like say a thousand pounds right now. He gets to keep the thousand pounds, and now you get to put in this big honking uh, jackpot wedge. If the counter is the regular medium pizza pie uh, tray, this is that super deluxe XXXL that you give to the baseball team for winning the the baseball game. It's the super honking chip. Yeah, it's like it's the super deluxe. Um, you're right. It's like it's like an extra extra large pizza pan. It's got a big red star on it, and that star is worth ten thousand pounds. Now it's not like in addition to this is just an accumulation because at this point you're a thousand. So we the assumption is if you can get that coin from the machine, then out you win it. And the way they do it is essentially what is amounts to the second half of the show. There are six categories, and you have a decision. Do you want an easy question for one counter? A normal question for two or 
a more challenging question for three. Unlike the other rounds, this one is multiple choice. So it also leads into a, if you really don't know, but you want to go for a guess, just say hard and then take a one in three shot for the three. Yeah. And that's what a lot of folks do for their strategy. And it's usually, and it's always in six different categories. And they have some that show up in every show. Like you'll have like geography and history and television. Then you'll get stuff like, you know, like gardening or cookery or medicine or British history. So it's like, it's sort of like that. So if you play it correctly, you can get at most 18 uh, counters, which I'm guessing they play test this multiple times to say it's pretty much if you if the luck is on your side, it's easy for you to get the counter and win. Uh, right. And uh, now the top prize, as I said, is 10,000 pounds, which I just checked is around $13,000 American. But remember, in England, they don't tax their game show winnings. So you get all that money. You don't have to pay the tax man any of it. No, and, that's, and I love that so much. Also, in a twist that I think they just added is if the, you drop the jackpot wedge and the counter is dropped in addition to that jackpot wedge, you get 20,000 pounds. Oh. So if the luck is on your side twice as much, you might want to just like go for it. Uh, apparently, right. it is done this series. The, like the most recent tape series uh, set to air there's a 20,000 pound winner. I believe there's already one right now too on YouTube. Um, let me look that up real quick. Which I think is also fun because 10,000 is I is essentially, uh, I like to say, like I always like to say in, in this on this podcast, there's always minimums and defaults. Uh, in terms of like American game shows, like GSN minimums now $10,000. Uh, if you want like a good minimum for like a primetime game show, it's usually like a hundred thousand, maybe a quarter million. Uh, that's what I do whenever I want to create formats. I default to a quarter million. Uh, when it comes to a British game show, there's three tier. There's the thousand pound tier, which is usually like a BBC show. Uh, there's a ten thousand, which is usually like a primetime etch kind of thing, like a tipping point. And uh -huh. then there's the big money quarter million, like the Cube or Deal or No Deal. Exactly right, and. One of the things that I love about Tipping Point, though, is you still get the 50 pounds for each correct, um, for each uh, counter that comes out. And if you don't win the jackpot after you've used up all of your bonus uh, round counters, you still have a chance to win the money. Because it's the big, this, it's the big gamble. So assume, it's just assume, if you will, you got four of the six right, you played 12 counters, and they knocked out 12. Like, you knocked out 12 counters in addition. So you get 600 more pounds in addition to what you earned. And that gave you a total of, like, 2,100 pounds. You won 2,100 pounds today. That's a, that's good. You can go have yeah, a great about, dinner. It's, you can, about, it's about $3,500. And that's not tax bad. Tax-free. Now... I'll take it. Now, you see the jackpot counter is really, like, right at the edge of the win zone. It really is, like, just what one coin could hit it. And you can knock it out and you can win that 10,000. If you want, you can give me back all the money you've won in this game so far. You'll forfeit all 2,100 pounds. You can't collect any more 50-pound bonuses. It has to be that jackpot counter or nothing. And you'll get three attempts. What do you do? Ooh, now that is a great gamble because you're sort of a situation where it's like, number one, if you're greedy enough, you might want to go for it. You might just want to say, out of heck with it, you know, um, you know damn the torpedoes. But it's like if it's wedged in there, you're like, I'm not going to gamble. I'm not going to do it. And also, don't and forget so the counter, too, 
it couldn't be lying flat or all three of them can be toppled on top of the other. And then, yeah, that's called a rider, a rider. And that's also part of the drama. Cause the way they zoom in the camera, you, it's almost like a 50, 50 chance that rides it. And it's fun. It is. I mean, this is the thing I've said about tipping point to friends of mine. And I, and I've said this to people that I've known who are fans of the show. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting over a sinus infection. It is the winter months. So of course, oh, gosh, no yes, it, but um, it's tipping point is one of those shows. It shouldn't work. It, it really, really shouldn't should. work right. as well as it does. And yet you watch it and you're like, this is such a great game show. It's a speedy game show, too. Like, this is an hour-long game show, but it doesn't feel like that. No, it does not drag. In the slightest, it doesn't drag. The only time you can say it drags is maybe the final round, but they do that for the purpose of drama. You want to see the counter get pushed. You want to see if they can get, like, the big chunk of coins so they fall in and you get a bonus 500 or something. Right. Now, one of the things that... But, I mean, because there are some British shows out there that just... The formats are perfect and they work perfectly. You know, these are shows like, you know, Pointless and, you know, things like, I'm trying to get this in my mind, you know, so like Pointless, Millionaire, Millionaire of Mastermind. Clarkson. Uh, yeah, Millionaire of Clarkson. But then there are some shows where you sit and you're watching, and you're like, this, this can't work. This is not going to be a great idea for a show. And you watch it and it's brilliant. I mean, the only thing about Tipping Point that I don't like is every so often, because if you've never... Because if you hear the theme song, it's very dramatic. It's very over the top. The set is kind of like a millionaire esque kind of set, but not like spotlights. It's not. It's more like a. I know I keep doing wrestling references. I'm sorry, Brian, but it's that. It's that raw. It's that raw backdrop. You know, like the LED screens in the background showing projections of coins falling. Right. And, but it works amazingly well because you watch it and you're like, yeah, I can watch this show. I, and it, you know, it, you're right. It's good for an hour and it's good for what it is. And I mean, they do everything the way that you're supposed to do it. And it's an, um, and I actually really enjoy it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it because, you know, very few people in America know about this show. But I think if more people watched it, they'd actually really enjoy it. And I actually kind of like it. Uh, it's a ripoff of Plinko. Uh, it's a ripoff of the wall. It's boring. No, it's like <coughs> that's assuming well, that you you think a Plinko is just a slot based game versus a coin pusher where it's luck mixed with physics, mixed, mixed with a certain level of skill. With a certain level of skill, this is a skill game mixed with uh with with knowledge it's a knowledge skill and theoretically yeah luck because when they drop the slot into the coin pusher uh it's one of three positions left middle or right and that's through all four of the drop zones and sometimes you even get quote-unquote ghost drops where it drops so fast and then it slides out and then it goes completely steers to the right or the left right there's this element of of unpredictability that adds to the game as well and you know, that's the same thing about uh, about Plinko, because there are times you'll see a Plinko chip be hitting right towards the middle of the board, then it'll just take take a detour and boom, hit, go like three spaces over. But now what and if that, instead of that that $10,000 slots in the middle, what if that's sporadic? That could be in the far left where it's easy to <laughs> hit on drops in one. Maybe it's directly in the middle where two or three might be your best option. You have one in four shot of picking your drops on correctly. 
uh, and sometimes it's fun because usually when they know the drop zone is like drop zone four is where they dropped it in the final round. Ben still has to ask, like, where do you want to drop this coin? <laughs> drop zone four. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And I mean, it's just a fun, you know, daytime quiz show. And um, unlike a pressure amazing- luck where there's that risk reward factor and you have to play it or you can pass. The only time you play your pass is on the questions or with someone else's counters. Precisely. I mean, more, I mean, for the most part, you, you take your luck into your own hands. And that's why it works so well. Now, I will say, I, I will say you this much, though. I mean, I will tell you this much that, uh, that I do kind of like about it is, um, let's see, one of my favorite parts of it is there's a, um, is you'll be sitting there watching it and, what gets me about, and a lot of British shows especially, is you'll see questions if you watch it long enough, and you're like, why would they ask a British person? How would a British person know this? It's like they'll say, like, they had one one time in the final round, and the category was a, uh, it was a, um, let's see, what is it? It is a, it was a television, and the question was, on which of these American game shows do you have to respond in the form of a question? And it was Wheel of Fortune, no. Jeopardy, or... I think the price or is right. The <laughs> price is right. And you're like, now we know the answer to that question. Clearly, we know the answer. But the person was sitting there thinking, I don't know. I can't think of that. <laughs> and it, it'd be like asking in America, you know, what British game show is famous for the black chair? I mean, we know <laughs> yeah, it. We but- know Mastermind, but <laughs> they wouldn't. It, it's it's right. that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's fascinating trivia questions that they ask. Right. Uh, but... But, you know, on the whole, on the whole, it is a great hour long quiz. And I think that it's a hidden gem. And I think more people should check it out because there are clips on Facebook. I'm sorry, on on YouTube. There are clips all over the Internet. I mean, I really enjoy it. I mean, I think that it's one of those things where, you know, it's not as serious as a show should be. It doesn't have to be. It's just plain fun. Ten thousand pounds is is a, is a good amount of money to go with, but right. that's like buy a new car level of cash. That's the twenty five thousand on Hollywood game night levels of money. That's not yeah, necessarily that's... like a life changing like hundred thousand dollar pyramid. No, but it's no, but it's a decent sum of money, and it's it's worthy of like you watch it because obviously everyone's here for the game. And plus, when they do the gamble. And it's like, maybe they know they're not going to do well, so they're just going to take the 4000 and split. <clears throat> or, because uh, like a lot of these game shows is, I think uh, the smart parts of Tipping Point is the contestants when they decide to walk away. Because sometimes they're just like, yeah, I, this is impossible to get the chip out in three. So I'm just going to take my money and go. Yeah, I'm getting out of here. And But then you see the ones who they'll take. But then always off camera, they'll play the final three. And then sometimes they made a right decision. Other times, in a world of uh, surprise, they actually could have won it. I know. And it is absolutely just, you know, it, that is heartbreaking. If the person walks away with, with you know, 25,000, you know, they'll walk away like, you know, 2,500 pounds, and they could have won 10,000. Like, that's and, a big dip. That's a big dip, but... Mm. Mm. They, they still walk but, away with money, and plus, no matter what, they might have won a prize. Right. They might have won, like, a trip or may have won, you know, something like that. I mean, that's always that's always something to think about. 
And don't forget the doubler counts. Also, the, the oh, we should probably say that too. Uh, in case if you're playing along, uh, the mystery prices are not part of the gamble. So if you won the gamble, you won the little like mystery prize, you don't risk that if you're doing the gamble. That's still yours. That really is just like a here, take it. <laughs> we don't care. Uh, and the double counter also adds that unique unpredictability to it. And I think that adds a nice twist to the game. I think you're absolutely right. It does add a lot to the game. And um you know some of the you know and some of those prizes are actually really really good and i mean now the question you want to ask and we we can't ask is you know uh you know what would you change is there anything that that you think we could change in a show like this now the thing is because it's like thing like 40 it's like 50 minutes you uk time so if you're yeah. going to do an like american version you'll have to find a way to truncate it somewhere so you'd probably, you know, have to reduce, <clears throat> I mean, you'd probably have to, you know, just speed up the uh, gameplay a little bit, you know, maybe not have as much of a human interest story, but, you know, you could trim it down to maybe 42, 43 minutes and it, it, it wouldn't be a huge deal. I mean, I could see maybe doubling the 50 pounds to $100 and making the top prize $25,000. You're stealing my, you're stealing all my notes. <laughs> <laughs> So here's what I wrote down. Feel free. Uh, so uh, it's $100 per chip with the jackpot being $25,000, $50,000 if the doubler hits. Uh, you get two double chips, uh, two double counters, three mystery prizes, and the f- same four slots. In the first round, it's played exactly like UK tipping point. Uh, three counters each with the penalty pot at the end. But in round two, instead of going into the 30-second timer, which I feel is just kind of like a, a fail-safe, <clears throat> Uh, it's just 10 more questions, and each one of those is on the buzzer for, for one counter. You can either win it or you don't, but it's for anybody to win. Third I round, like that idea. Third round, it's called the final five. Uh, whoever has the most money gets to go first. Now, this takes its cue from the final round. Uh, there's five categories, and you get to play three of them, and you can either play it or pass it because you have that advantage. After the five questions... Uh, played in the order of category, uh, whoever has the most goes on to final round. Final round is 90 seconds on the clock or maybe two minutes. I'm just trying to figure out if that's the right amount. Uh, and for every question you get right in the 90 second counter is one chip to drop with the jackpot. Uh, same rules apply, 100 per chip. Mystery prices count, doubles count. But then in the gamble section, instead of just a final three and just hand it to you, <coughs> what if I gave you 30 more seconds? To answer as many questions as you can. Yes. I like that idea. So you can get three, you can get four, or you could just screw up with two. That's all on your. Mm. Uh, that's all. That's all on your decision. Uh, right. Which I really enjoy. Uh, so, do you want to talk about the celebrity edition then? Uh, yeah, they they call that one celebrity. Um, what's it called? It's called um, Lucky Stars. It's called Lucky Stars, and it kind of plays similar to the regular tipping point. The uh, only difference is uh, it's a 20,000-pound jackpot and 100 pounds, and there's a studio audience. Yeah, because they because if you watch the show, you'll hear applause and like canned laughter and stuff. But like The Chase, they film this without a live audience unless there are celebrities involved. And uh, so. the prize is still there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and, they, and also, I guess I could go do some more fun bits. Because I think we kind of went through almost everything. We went through the music. We went through right. Ben. Uh, we also have to bring up uh, one of the more important things, too, is this is one of the few Easter eggs that if you saw Crystal Maze recently, they had a they had the team run 
And one of the locations they ran in as a bit was a set of tipping point. That's right. That's right. I, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, which, by the way, is uh, impo- is should I say a little weird because this is an ITV show and that's a Channel Four show, so they're directly in competition. Well, you know, the thing about it is, you know, British TV has always been a bit unusual when it comes to, you know, how they handle competition and stuff like that. It's a, it's just weird. Um, and then finally, we can talk about the important thing that everyone knows, which is the home game aspect. Yes, there is a board game of Tipping Point. So in the, <laughs> it's it's hard to keep a straight face here, but uh, I had to look this up. Uh, it's basically a tipping point uh, with a motor that sounds very annoying. Every single time I've seen the tipping point game be played outside, <laughs> like on YouTube or anything, all I hear is just that battery going. <laughs> just and you have the person on uh, on the TV saying. It's whisper quiet. It's very not loud at all. Like, is it even on? I can barely hear it. <laughs> and it, it instead of like the it's a smaller uh, coin pusher. I think there's still four counters, but it really doesn't go anywhere, and it could go any slot in any direction. Um, and I guess you can play it the same way. There's also a tipping point app. Yes, and. I would love, absolutely love, if there was a way to uh, to get that in in America because I have seen it played. It looks so good. Barnstorm Games is the creators of this, and they have made all sorts of game show adaptations uh, for apps. Now, one of the fun things is that they uh, made Impossible for America. So that's telling me that Tipping Point is is a possibility. Right. Um. So get on that, Barnstorm. Yeah, please. Uh, You've got Anglophiles here that would love to play this. Play. You got two sellers. We'll buy the packs and everything. Uh, and <laughs> now, and it's not like British game shows haven't been released on American you know, in, in the app world. I mean, um, I know that there is a Cube online game for for the app, and you can buy it there. There's the Cube. Uh, Impossible is now out. Uh, and Pointless. Uh, and Pointless. Uh, this was the 5 p.m. Originally, it was going to be a replacement for The Chase on ITV. Really? Yeah. Uh, they were pl- replacing it alongside Don't Blur the Inheritance 2012, return 2013 at 4 p.m., uh, and then they decided to put that against Deal or No Deal at the time. Also, because I have to check the UK game shows factoids, the l- record for largest number of counters taken from a machine on a single drop of a counter was 23. 23 counters dropped at once. This was achieved on June 16th, 2013, uh, in an episode of Lucky Stars. Wow. So if you're wondering, that's 2,300 pounds for charity. Well, there you go. Uh <laughs> Alrighty, uh, so Brian. Yes. Uh, this is near the end of the show. Okay. Uh, we're winding it down. I don't even know if we can pick a host for Tipping Point USA. By the way, hmm. I would probably pick um, probably Todd Newton. You're going Todd Newton? Hmm. I would. That could work. I was I was in a sports Howie Long, maybe a Terry Bradshaw kind of. But yeah, that would work too. Anyway, it's time for the lightning round. Five questions, 60 seconds. For each one that you get right is one free plug. You can get five free plugs here, Brian. All right, let's do it. All right, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Okay. What's the mystery prize? 
What do you mean? What is the is he, what's the prize for the day? He dropped the mystery counter and and what's the prize? Oh, mystery prize is a PlayStation Four. What's your favorite arcade game? WWE WrestleFest. Who is your choice for the Super Bowl? The Green Bay Packers. What's your favorite wrestling tag team? The Rock and Roll Express. What would be a fitting consolation prize for contestants of Tipping Point? A a copy of the board game and free smartphone credits for the app. I, okay, done. You did five for five. <laughs> what All right, a tough I'll game. What a tough challenge. So, Brian, what are your five plugs? Well, first of all, I want to plug um, 8-3 Studios, which is where you'll find all of um, the games that I play. Um, Sorry, the podcast that I'm a part of. I do. uh, I'm a part of one regularly with my buddy Jason Block called Pixel Nation, which is a video gaming podcast. We also have the um, let's see. We also have the. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little nervous here. Um, this is, this is, we, you're nervous for the plugs, but not the speed round. <laughs> well, because you know, I'm a, I'm a little. I didn't know how well I was going to do. We you also know, have the North so American Wrestling Studios. Yeah, a three studios. I do Pixel Nation. We have uh, the North American Wrestling Connection political podcast. There called Red State Blue State. The BS Big Show about football. Touch them all about baseball. Um, that's the first one I want to plug. So check that out. A three studios. <coughs> Excuse me. Number two, I want to plug a podcast my buddy Mike Klaus is doing right now called It Was a Thing on TV, which is about Mike Klaus. Yes, friend of the show, Mike Klaus, who basically they find a weird TV show and they talk about it. Now, I'm going to be on the show pretty soon to talk about a couple shows. I'm very excited about that. So check that out. Are they doing game shows? Uh, The first episode they did was the match game Hollywood Squares Hour. Oh, funny. So, So they're covering game shows now, huh? Well, huh, well, no. How we, about that? No. How about that? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mike, hmm. Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> you go on well, my the, show. And <laughs> no, go on. Okay. Uh, well, now, um, but what they're doing is they're they're covering the 1983 uh, season for NBC, which was notoriously one of their worst seasons ever. And a lot of their stuff failed that season, and that was the first thing that chose to cover. Um also, so check that out. It was a thing on TV. It's on Podbean, if you check it out there. Uh, third, I want to plug Wrestling With Regret by my buddy Brian Zane. Wrestling With Regret with a W at the beginning of the word regret. Uh, pop, uh, great stuff there. Uh, number four, no The Oddity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four is called The Oddity Archive by my buddy Ben Minot. TheOddityArchive.com. Pop culture ephemera at its finest. It's a really, really, really good uh, YouTube series needs more love. Check it out. He's a great guy and it's a great show. And lastly, I want to give a big plug. Uh, it's been mentioned on YouTube. It is called um, NWA Power. It has three R's at the end for some reason. Uh, it's the return of studio wrestling in the year 2019. It's so different. It works beautifully. So check it out. NWA Power. It's a great show. Tuesdays on YouTube. At 6.05 p.m. You can join the Atlas Wrestling Academy. <laughs> Learn. No, what I like about it is just the, the fact that it's so, such a throwback. Both the blue set, the stage lighting, the way they do promos. And what I think is my favorite, which I don't think a lot of people know, is the way they, they call the big championship belt. It's 10 pounds of gold. <laughs> the 10 pounds of gold. And my favorite part of it is the fact that they even made a recreation of the old NWA ring. It is like from the 1980s with the NWA text. 
Yep, and it's got the black ropes, and they have the uh, the world flags hanging from the top of the studio, and they film it in Atlanta, and it's just, I mean, it's such a throwback. I love it for the same reason why I loved, um, for the same reason why I loved Lucha Underground. It is something different, and we don't have a lot of that in wrestling now. It is just so aggressively different that it works beautifully. Lucha Underground was great for the, like, set dressing. It's funny enough, I know the director for that show. Uh <laughs> Really? Yeah, Quinn Saunders. He was my professor in television. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, a small world? Uh, so it's fun. He also worked on Big Brother. So. Well, there you go. Uh, and then, like for NWA, it's this. It's it's like a mid south wrestling feel, but it also has a modern because <clears throat> it's HD. It's not like we're going four by three. We're not. No, I mean, yeah, it's like they're they're not going out of their. It's like. It's it's a throwback in the presentation, but they use modern technology. It's, and it's, essentially, it's like the Press Your Luck reboot. It's like, uh, or or it's it's that it's the eighties nostalgia, but they're not intentionally uh, going. Hey guys, look, the eighties sure did suck, right? The Stranger Things silliness. No, it's just hey, uh, what do you remember? <clears throat> and then what can we do to handle promos? And the promos in that wrestling league. I think they're the best over anything, more than Impact, more than WWE, more than even AEW. I think you're right about that. And to me, that's the big selling point for wrestling. It's that you're the guys at the table. You come in here and you say you're the best. We'll step into that ring and I will not make you humble. I'll make sure that everyone here in this arena knows what a baby you are. And then the crowd's chants, baby, baby. Right, and they can work that crowd, and they are so good at it. So, and plus, then they have like a Tim and Eric like commercial break, right? Which just also adds this level of weirdness that I also enjoy. <laughs> Brian saying, "Go cover NWA Power, why don't you?" <coughs> uh, right for Brian Hager. Thank you so much again for stopping by and being today's big winner. Well, I enjoyed it, and if you ever want to have me back on, you know, you know where to find me. Thank you so much to Brian for stopping by. Before we kind of close out on Tipping Point, we got to do some of these facts. Uh, they record 165 episodes per season. That means if you divide by five, that's 33 weeks of brand new episodes of Tipping Point. There's going to be a new season starting January, but they still have new episodes airing right now. Um, as far as international formats is concerned, this is the only show... Uh, that is not really adapted into anything else. There's not an Australian version. There's not a French version. There's no American version yet. Uh, but you can watch it over in Australia and New Zealand as they play some repeats there. Uh, still looking forward to seeing the Tipping Point app game show up in the American store because I find it to be a fascinating format. But it'll be okay. Uh, the, the next series, Series 10, is going to be the one that has its 1,000th episode. Uh, Lucky Stars, which has celebrities, also has a little different rule format. Now, when we talked about Tipping Point, it was 4-3-2-1. With four players, it's everyone gets three. Uh, buzz in, you can play your own or pass. And then we go back to three. In round two, everyone gets the time limit, and they play their own ships. They become two and when it's two it's pass or play to determine the one that plays that big complicated in game with six categories easy medium hard for one two or three 
When it comes to Lucky Stars, there's only three contestants. They all play for charity. It's 100 pounds per per chip, 20,000 if you win the jackpot. Uh, there are no double counters in the machine. There are mystery counters, uh, which are joke prizes or cash bonuses. Um, there's also the three contestants play the first two rounds. So the first two games are played with all three. Uh, when after rounds two and three, uh, those runners up the, 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 they walk out with the money, uh, that they, they raised. So no matter what, there's no, you lose everything. They get to keep their cash, which might be something you could do in the American version. If falling away from the, you lose everything is not fitting. Although I still think this is feeling like a GSN show more and more. Uh, in the final round, contestants trades the money and loses. They get a thousand pounds. These are also the only ones taped before a live audience. Everything else is just you know that pop, that that pre-recorded ooh thing. But uh, I, I still find it fascinating. Other people find it boring. I but I think I like this show a bit more than the chase. I know that sounds sacrilegious because, oh, man, all this trivia and the final chase. But no, I kind of enjoy the idea of you can answer a question and then you only get like 50 pounds. Like that's that's all you really need in a game show. It's just that element of luck and skill. And maybe the chip rides. You don't know. There's that element of suspense that I enjoy with Tipping Point that I think uh, goes unregarded, even though it's the most American game show that's in Bryn right now and i'm not including things like countdown because that's not that's a strategy game but it, it feels like an american game show but in Bryn. anyway it's time for the 110 part series exploring every pricing game on the price is right this is the pricing game spotlight <laughs> Walk of Fame. Premiere date, November 4th, 1983, 5065D. Finale date, November 27th, 1985, 5903D. Thank you. Anyway, I uh, just want to say, if you've never seen Walk of Fame, which most likely you haven't, Walk of Fame was a pricing game based on the world-famous Hollywood Walk of Fame. What's up, Harry Friedman? Uh, anyway, it's played for four prizes. One worth between 10 to 100, one between 100,000, and two that are worth more than $1,000. Contestant is shown four prizes and then asked to guess the price of the prize within a certain range, above or below the actual retail price. If the contestant was correct, they won the prize and moved on to the next uh, in the stepping stone. The more expensive prizes, the more increased the range, and it keeps going from there. So long as the contestant made correct guesses, the process was repeated for each of the four prizes with an increased range for each prize. If at any time the contestant's guess was outside the range, the contestant not only lost the prize, they were given one opportunity to continue the game uh, unless they make a wrong guess on the final prize. The fourth and final one is just for, for that or else you're done. Uh, there are two autograph books filled with the autographs of the show's cast were shown to the contestant. One was also contained the words, 
second chance stamped inside. The contestant chose one of the books. If they found the one that marked second chance in that book, they get to continue playing. Otherwise, the game ended and the contestant kept any prizes they have won. But even if they didn't win any prizes, they get to keep the autograph book that they had chosen. So no matter what, they get the autograph of Bob Barker and Johnny Olson and the models. Uh, in the first pricing game of pricing game, three autograph books were offered, only one of which was marked second chance. After Johnny Olson uh, passed away on October 12, 1985, the final playings of Walk of Fame made no mention of signatures. Barker simply revealed rather words second chance were found inside. Most number of times this game was played any season was 18. Uh, Walk of Fame's retirement was brought in by increasing inflation. Because of it, the game was becoming too hard to win. Uh, and, that, and that's it. That's basically the entirety of Walk of Fame. It kind of didn't last that long. Uh, but when it comes to the, can you figure out within the price of the range, that became in games like Spelling Bee. And more recently, I could see things like the progression that's in more or less, uh, because that's a progressive game, more or less, to move on to the next prize. And also the increased ranges based on the difficulty of the product being used in Rat Race, uh, with the $1 range, the $10 range, and then the $100 range. So Walk of Fame, it might have been gone, and it doesn't really fit that much in the scope of where we are now because of the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But the autograph book was a nice novel prop to have for this game, and the game isn't really harmless. It really was just like, can you figure out the price of uh, a rice cooker within 50 bucks? Like, that's it. That was basically it. And, I mean, it, it's kind of gone. Can this game be retooled and revived? I think so, but it's one of those things where I just think it shouldn't... I shouldn't think it should be just done. I, I think when you have things like a... a a cliffhangers you already have a built-in range kind of game and you also have range game as well that i think this is just kind of like a progressive prize game i mean maybe if you do like something that's small for a hundred dollar budget then something that's a thousand dollar budget and then finally the car with a tw with a ten thousand dollar budget or something i think that's the only way you can kind of like go on with this game and then if you want to cheapen it up, you start with a $10 range and a $1 range. Like you got it like like a golden road scenario. You got to find the $1 like grocery item to get to the $10 uh I don't know, uh, let's go with like a a a desk fan. A uh, $100 uh fuck, let's uh a Bluetooth speaker, Bluetooth speaker set. Then you get to a $1,000 range with like a trip to Seattle, Washington. And then finally, the $10,000 range, if you can get there on the price of, uh, let's go with a Kia. We'll just go with a Kia Sorento. <laughs> like that's the only way I can see this working. Because the, the, the fourth prize is definitely the, the one that's going to be the hiccup to get to the car. That's the only way I can see this working if you revive it. I don't see the autograph book returning. I don't see, um, unless you want to try and do like a fake golden road. That's the only way I can see this happening. But honestly, I don't think this is going to last. 
But next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, the first iteration of Balance Game. Welcome to CMT's Nashville Squares. Let's play something country. Tonight, we've got a family affair showdown. We got country legend Tanya Tucker squaring off with her daughter Presley. But first, let's meet the squares. Everybody's favorite dork fish, Bill Engbaum. Country's cutest couple, Mike Cawson and Jana Kramer. Our favorite foodie, it's Adam Richmond. She is one funny witch, Caroline Ray. He built that square, it's Ty Pennington. He's got big hat game. It's Chris Sullivan. She bring the funny, y'all. The hilarious Fortune Feaster. Heartbreaker and Hitmaker, Mickey Guyton. And in the center square, country superstar, Sarah Evans. And now, your host, me. So yeah, I saw Nashville Squares hosted by Bob Saget of America's Funniest Home Videos in One Versus 100 fame. Oh God, where do I start here? Where do I start? Um, have you ever seen Hip Hop Squares on VH1? I, I mean, I could just rinse and repeat what I feel about Hip Hop Squares, but for this, and it's not really that flattering. I, I mean, it's, it, it's it's tough to explain uh, in the context of Nashville Squares and Hip Hop Squares. They're both theoretically the same. But if you've seen Hip Hop Squares, you've seen Nashville Squares. If you've seen Nashville Squares, you'll know what Hip Hop Squares is. Uh, if you've never seen the show before, it's based off Hollywood Squares, where a team of civilians uh, with an X and an O pick celebrities who then give a blooper, and then you have to decide if you agree or disagree with that answer. If you're right, you get your square, which is an X or a zero, um, or no. Uh, and then if you get three in a row, you win the round and you get money. Whoever gets the most money uh, gets to play for a car or just wins a car up outright. Uh, it's been a longevity game show. Peter Marshall was an iconic host for it. There was even one with Tom Bergeron a couple of years back. Uh, there's always been an attempt to try and bring back Hollywood Squares because of its bloopers. And the most recent way I can kind of think of it in terms of jokes to answers would be funny you should ask over on CBS, at least over here, but it's a syndicated show. Thanks, Byron Allen. We talked about this with uh, Kimberly and Travis. So, hey, go check that out. So, uh, it's, uh, it's rough. It's a real rough, rough game show. So when I say civilians, it's now played with celebrities. It's a celebrity versus celebrity game show where they have to pick a celebrity and then that celebrity gets a question. They tell a joke and you decide if you want to agree or disagree. So in that context, the pick a celebrity, get a question, they give a funny answer and then agree or disagree, uh, that's still there. And now there's like locking mechanics in form of a buzzer. Uh, but in this version, they pick a star. They get to see a value of the star, and then they get a question with a joke and answer. Then the celebrity contestant agrees or disagrees. In round one, contestants get to pick a star, and that square's value is either anywhere between $500 to $1,500. 
Uh, one of them is a star prize as well, where if the celebrity picks the square, they get to win a prize for their fan. That's what they do. It's now you're playing for the person. The person's not playing the game. This game, when I when I saw both of the, the episodes that came out, they only went through two questions before taking a commercial break. Now, in case you don't know, uh, the options just get three in a row out of nine squares. So you get through two questions. It is very, very tedious and slow. Not only that, this is a half-hour show, so they take a break. Then they do a silly comedy bit. Like, for instance... One of them was we have to do watermelon spitting with Bill Engvall. Yay! Or we have to have some dancing with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Why do we need the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders dancing? I don't fucking know. It's it's here. It's the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Woo! And then look, is that a celebrity? It's a celebrity. Whoa! It's someone from a sitcom. We got to plug them and just make sure that they got warm welcome. It's then we go back to the civilians. We got to go back to the civilians and go, hey, well, I hope you win money today. Why do you want to win money? Why do you like this uh, celebrity? Oh, I like their music. Well, that's great. Well, that celebrity, go pick another star. If and only if they can complete round one, the winner not only gets the square value to create the three in a row, they get a bonus $1,000. And whoever has the most money at the end of this game, notice how tediously slow and how many bits we need to do to fill the 20 minutes Yay! Well, if they get three in a row, we go to round two where it's $500 to $2,000 and we compete the same process. But because we must have this funny social media moment where a square does some prop comedy mixed with the fact it's a half hour show, we only get through maybe another three questions and then you hear beep beep and the game ends that's it like we only get through maybe seven questions because we had to fill in the time to have some sort of silly sketch maybe or some silly banter that flies on ellen so whoever got the most money after what amounts to maybe six questions uh gets to do the bonus round now in the bonus round this is going to be fun the winning contestant's fan gets to play. Finally, they get to do something instead of sit there. They get to pick one of the nine celebrities that are up on the board. They then get a question of which of these squares would be would you most likely be doing this one thing with? You know, kind of like a which who would you rather kind of thing. And not only that, it's a one in three chance. They even process the, they not narrow it down to one in three. So it's a one in three chance. If you get it right, we double the money. Yay, you get like $6,000. Fun. Otherwise, you only get to keep what you've made in the front game, which is $3,000 or so. But not only that, they get a key because it's a one in nine chance. If they pick the right celebrity that had the car, 
they win the car. It used to be that if you won the episode, you won the car back in the Marshall era. Then they did like a mini game in Bergeron where you had like 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. So you eliminate the bad keys to increase the likelihood that you get the car key. But nowadays, it's just a one in nine crapshoot to win. At this rate, bonus rounds are always garbage when it comes to Hollywood Squares. They can't figure out which one is the right finale to end Hollywood Squares with. Sure, that's it. There's so many problems with Nashville Squares, and it parallels with that of Hip Hop Squares. There's not that many questions that are asked. There's lots of padding in favor of comedy. There's a celebrity versus celebrity game mechanic, which doesn't really make sense because if the game is to see if you know what celebrities know, you add this mechanic of celebrities playing with fans, it just becomes social media buzz. All of this is just to be that that TMZ, that Ice Cube said, what? Did you hear what T.I. said? Or if, or if it's Nashville Squares, Gary Busey's what? Reba McIntyre thinks what? Or a silly segment where we try to square dance and Bob Saget tries real hard to lean into that country mechanic when he doesn't really get the chance to be himself because he's trying to do the country. Yeah, we're doing a country square. If funny you should ask can ask 18 questions in a 22-minute episode, and that's not including the bonus round, deliver jokes in all those, and still have room for some improv moments, Nashville Squares can barely ask eight questions. And to me, that's a damn shame. Honestly, all they had to do was make this format work was just stretch it to an hour, make it an hour-long game show, so everybody there had room to breathe and be themselves. The silly skits like the watermelon spitting or the go-kart racing, I I mean, it's a goof between games, but in terms of value, this $1,000, $2,000 round thing doesn't fit. If the top value per square is $1,500 round one, $2,000 round two, wouldn't it be simpler to do 100, 900 round one uh, with, with like $100 increments? 200 to 1800 in round two with, you know, $200 increments. Round three uh, with, with 300, 2700. And then if you win, you get that 1000, 2000, 3000. At the rate the show goes, you only get maybe one and a half real games of Hollywood Squares. So if it's one and a half games, if you double it, you might actually get three. It used to be two out of three wins the game. So if you barely even have one game complete, it's just a rough format. If you get through three in the span of an hour, it might make a bit more sense. And plus, you can maybe just have no bonus round. At the end of the third game, whoever has the most wins. Yay. The game comes second Does Hollywood Squares pick the star agree or disagree? That comes second to this social media buzz that they're trying to force to create. If it's one thing I know you don't do online, you can't force a meme. And and this Nashville Squares and Hip Hop Squares are just trying to force the social media buzz. 
it's proof that you can have all the right people have the best questions and with bonus rounds that never really work out. None of these work out. I'm not, can't stress this out. I, none of these bonus rounds work. It didn't work in the 80s with Davidson. Didn't work now. Celeb- civilians are not really interacting with the celebrities in this show. For the civilian, their object is basically sit in the lucky seat and here, take this. That's all the skill necessary. Because you are sitting here and you're a fan of so-and-so, you win the money. Hooray. There is no skill necessary in sitting in a chair. Deal or no deal at least has the contestant do more. And that's just a random pick suitcase game. The contestants on this show just sit in a chair and watch someone from country music try and answer questions about southern rock music. If they were going to do the half-hour do-nothing game, just forget about the fucking cash values. Just have it be one game of Hollywood Squares, and it's winner-take-all. Winner gets to play the bonus game for a prize at the end. Is it money? Is it a car? I don't give a shit at this point. It might actually save them even more money on their budget. They only have to write up nine questions tops. If for some reason a celebrity wins round one before going into act three, they could spend the rest of the show doing that musical chairs bullshit. You kids want to see that musical chairs bullshit, right? You want to see the funny comedians and actors do the musical chairs? Somebody at the network and in the production department thinks this is what the kids are into and this will be the big viral success. It's nauseating. But it's also what most celebrity-focused game shows are these days. Bill Engvall was on both Nashville Squares and Funny You Should Ask. And I had more fun seeing him on Funny You Should Ask because I at least got three jokes out of the guy who's a comedian versus the possibility on Nashville Squares of seeing maybe just one joke. That's it. So you either, to fix this show, make it an hour long with three rounds and no bonus round, or you break it into just one game of Hollywood Squares, no cash bonus, first to get the tic-tac-toe, uh, wins the prize for the contestant, which is in the bonus game. Because now you can stretch it out for time. You don't give a fuck, and you can do any sort of random garbage you want to do. To me, this is just nauseating. Because it's all what the celebrity shows are. This is the kind of shit that, that makes me irk on Match Game in Hollywood Game Night. It becomes less about the civilians and play-along factor as it is we're supposed to watch because so-and-so is there. Does it matter? No, because so-and-so's there. It having having a good casting director and booking the right guess, yeah, that's fun. That's interesting. Oh, well, I can't wait to see what happens. But when you have such little time, you don't really get to spend that much time with these people and they don't really get to interact that much. So if you're gonna get these big celebrities, give them an hour to play. Or or if you're going to do that half-hour format, truncate the game, the whole, because apparently you don't really give a shit about the Hollywood Squares like tic-tac-toe game, and make it just one game for all the marbles. So that way, you can play with all the squares. So it doesn't really matter if they don't get called, because at least they'll have their one to two minutes of airtime as well. Because that's the only way I could see this working. And it's very, very frustrating. 
This is why I don't trust most celebrity game shows. This is why I feel like the second a game show does celebrity whatever is when it's a knock on the door to death. All this does, Nashville Squares and Hip Hop Squares, makes me want to do is just watch Hollywood Squares. And honestly, why don't you get, uh, who, who's the, the puppet dude? Uh, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham would have been the perfect host for this, not Bob Saget. Bob Saget is perfect for Hollywood Squares, not really Nashville Squares. It's kind of just, uh, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders do nothing to add to the game. The minigame segments add nothing to the game. The, contest, the civilians who get the money from these celebrities, they don't do anything until the bonus round. It is a frustrating format. It is a format that just is bonkers as to why this was the one that was in agreement. Go half hour and make one game or go full hour and go three games because having maybe five questions in the span of the show is just disappointing. And if if this is what I'm going to have to see in future installments of Hollywood Squares, I'm just going to turn my attention to Funny You Should Ask because at least it's fast, I get jokes, I can see laughter, and I get some of the same celebrities. And despite all of this negative, like the unnecessary need for Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and the padded musical chairs segments... And the fact that you barely get to see any questions or get any jokes, those are all negatives. But to focus on the positive a bit of Nashville Squares, if I can give some positives, the set for Nashville Squares is amazing. I love this set. It looks like a bar. If you're telling me what this is what Nashville Squares would look like, this is spot on. This is a place you want to hang out in. There is amazing uh, graphics package with this show. The, the way that they present the podium is cool. Bob Saget, even though he barely does any jokes, is still a good host for this show. Not only that, I do like this nostalgic approach of here's a random car on set. That's so nostalgic to me that it's like, yes, this is definitely a game show. Not only that I like that, you know what? It's also the way that they handle the casting for this. There's a lot of variety of casting in this show. Yes, you only get like 20 to 30 seconds of, of these people. But the way that if they were going to go with like who's who, you know, actually it makes sense to get Carson Presley on the show. I kind of negated and be like, why is he here? But seeing him in this format, it's perfect, and it actually makes a lot of sense that it's kind of interesting to see how this and Hip Hop Squares both have these amazing stars, these amazing guests, and are have amazing hosts, both D-Ray Davis and B Bob Saget, but it gets bogged down by the need to have these bad YouTube things. Like, the only reason I can see these being here is not because the game is boring, but because, oh, we need to have this 45 seconds in because the Twitter department wants to show it to show it's more than just the Hollywood Squares. This isn't your mom's Hollywood Squares. This is the new Hollywood Squares. And it's just, it's just a mess. It's a hot mess. This 
might be the worst game show reboot I have seen in recent time. And I've seen a lot of bad reboots. If I have to give a letter grade right now for Nashville Squares, I give it the same as Hip Hop Squares, which is a D minus. It's not a fail. Fail would be there's nothing successful about this. There's no redeemable qualities. There is plenty that makes you go, this is actually good, from the set to Bob to the celebrities that they have. But everything around it just doesn't feel right. You can have the questions, you can have the guests, you can have the host, but there's that one element of a game show where if it's focused on the celebrity more than the civilian, you don't have a game show, you just have plugs colon the game show. So... To me, that's the biggest disappointment of all. It's just more about the celebrities than it is the contestants. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for stopping by. You can check out more episodes over at jordanhaas.com slash podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give it a good rating and let me know what game shows you want to talk about. I'm on Twitter at jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Follow me and say hello. I'll, I'm I'm somewhat nice, I think. Uh, so I hope you guys had a lot of fun tonight, as I did. And join me next week as we talk about another great game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch. Mwah!